Hey there, I'm Jodie and you're listening to the Empathy Talks podcast brought to you by Circle In. If you care about caring, then this podcast is for you. We're talking to well-known CEOs and executives to find out what empathetic leadership really looks like, what it means to them and how they're creating an empathetic culture. We'll unpack why empathy is a critical leadership skill and why having it in life and in business is more important than ever. So let's get into it and unearth why empathy is so much more than a buzzword. Circling acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Wadawurrung people, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to Empathy Talks. Today is an incredibly special one. And I can assure you that you are going to love every single minute of the next 20-minute conversation with the incredible Jean Olwang. Jean is the founding CEO and president of Virgin Unite. She's someone that I have had the pleasure of spending quite a bit of time with. And I can assure you that she is not only inspirational, but she has the most incredible experience, which we're going to hear a lot more of today. As I said, she's the founding CEO and president of Virgin Unite. And over the last 19 years, she has worked with partners, uh, individuals, companies, you name it, across the world to really drive change. She holds several advisory board roles. She is the author of an incredible book that we will put into the podcast. And if you haven't read it, I really do encourage you to get yourself a copy. She's also a TEDx talker. She's won a number of Uh, awards globally. And I am just so honoured and privileged to have her join us. And with that, I would love to welcome Jean. So Jean, welcome to Empathy Talks. It is fantastic to have you here with me today. Thank you, Jodi. And just thanks right up front for what you and Kate do with Circle In. It is just such an inspiring business. Oh, thanks, Jean. Hey, well, let's kick off. You've got one of the most inspiring leadership journeys I know. Tell us briefly about that and specifically what empathetic leadership means to you. Yeah, so I think, Jodi, when I first started working, I kind of have a career of two halves. I started working in telecommunications and helping start mobile phone companies around the world, including in Australia, which was super exciting. And then the second half was working in the not-for-profit sector. But as I kind of went on this journey, I took a few disruptive detours. And one of them was actually working with homeless teenagers in Center City, Chicago. And for me, that was almost my first large-scale Um, experience with the lack of empathy, which has kind of made me feel how important empathy is. And that was working in this homeless teenage shelter. I saw we had hundreds of kids, some as young as 12, coming into our doors. And what I saw was the rest of society judged them immediately. And they didn't step back, really listen, understand why they were living on the streets. And these kids started with no opportunities in their lives. And so that huge lack of empathy for a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old living on the street really kind of raised the importance of empathy in my life. And it also just made me realize how screwed up we were that as systems, you know, between government, not-for-profit and business, we were allowing these children to fall through the cracks. And it also made me realize that we created these systems almost to disincentivize empathy rather than to incentivize empathy because we're incentivizing self-interest rather than embracing others. And 
Um, one of my favorite kind of quotes that gives the essence of empathy is from this amazing guy, Joe Confino, who he said, understanding is love. And uh, I think for me, that understanding starts with that huge, important power of listening and that sense of humility that you don't have all the answers and that openness to curiosity, I think are some of the critical when I think of what I mean by empathy, those things come to mind. Yeah, I love that. And I love that for you, it's come from a place of where you show no empathy. It's funny, we've, we've, we talk a lot about what empathy means and like leading on from that, I'm interested. Do you feel like empathy is a skill you can learn or do you think you either have it or you don't? I absolutely think it's a skill you can learn. And I think it's also a skill you have to practice and keep on building that muscle. It's not something where you wake up one day and you say, I'm an empathetic leader. I don't think anyone can say that because it's something you practice in every single moment. It's not a box checking exercise. And um, one of my favorite quotes too from some of the Virgin People directors is this quote about a million moments. So you have a chance to win and lose culture in every million moment that you have an interaction with someone. And I feel like that's the same thing with empathy. You have a chance to actually build your empathy muscles in every interaction you have with someone. And I think like one of the reasons why I love what you're doing, Jody, with Kate too, is I also feel like those deep connections and partnerships we, we shape in our lives give us the chance to learn empathy because it's like a constant practice uh, because none of us are perfect. We have to be empathetic with ourselves as well and understand that we have to forgive ourselves and we have to, as partners, forgive the other person and just build that empathetic muscle. So I, I feel strongly that it's something that you can learn, not something that's just innate in everyone. And I think you're spot on around it being a daily practice. And, you know, so often we hear people running, you know, these leadership courses and their one-off workshops or seminars. For us, it's about how do you actually create daily habits? How do you create those empathetic moments in every key experience and moment that matters through an employee's journey? So I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, is there a time in your career when empathetic leadership has really like stood out to you or or you've seen it at its best? Yeah, I think lots of times. And I think that's another thing is we learn from other people that are empathetic. And I think for me, one powerful moment is we had the really good fortune to help incubate a group called the Elders, um, which is a group of global leaders that was started by Mandela and Grasa, as you know. Um, and it, it was also Kofi Annan, Archbishop Tutu, President Mrs. Carter. And what was really interesting about that group is they were all people that I had kind of put on pedestals or, or heroes to me. And the more I watched them, the more I realized that they had become who they were because of each other and that they lived this spirit of what Archbishop Tutu used to giggle about all the time and call Ubuntu, that I am because you are. And really at the center of that was empathy. And there were these people, you know, that were in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, who were still living in that place of service, not trying to be in control, but trying to be in service. And at the center of that is what I would call, and a, a number of scientists have framed it compassionate empathy, where they were able to hold that deep sense of understanding and listening and holding someone's deep pain. But then they stepped away from just being voyeuristic about that from an empathy perspective and added that compassionate element where they moved to action. And they were a group, then they are a group that never accept the unacceptable. So 
they're constantly thinking of ways of how they can alleviate that suffering rather than just understand and listen to it, but how they take that next step. And I think that was a big lesson for me in my life is seeing those leaders that don't just feel, but they actually, when it's relevant and when it's right, they act and they act in guidance with that person that they're being empathetic about, not what they feel is right or relevant. And sometimes that's just simply being present for people and holding that space. But other times it may be, okay, I hear you and I need to take some action to make sure that your life is better rather than just hearing and listening to you. And I think as companies, we have a lot to learn from that leadership. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about inequality and how they're going to end diversity, but then not really act upon it. And like one of the companies I just was with last week that I learned so much from listening to is someone I never would have expected KKR, which is an investment, you know, at private equity bank. And one of the things they're doing is they're saying, hey, you know, we can't we can't break this big gap in inequality unless we have shared ownership in companies where people are really actually embracing and earning wealth. And so that's what they're doing with many of their portfolio companies is they're creating shared ownership with employees. And Harley Davidson just did that same thing. And to me, that's taking that step in action, not just holding that space of empathy, but acting. Oh, I love that. You, um, you've you really hit the nail on the head for me. And it's two things that I'm very passionate about, empathetic leadership and action leadership. So I think combining the two is so powerful. And um, I couldn't agree with you more. I know I had the pleasure of spending time, pleasure and privilege of spending time with you and Grassa last year. And, um, you know, talk about empathetic leadership. Wow, she just walks the talk, doesn't she? But leading on from that, is there someone else that stood out to you as a real role model? You know, someone that you look up to that really walks the talk in this way around empathetic leadership? Yeah, there, there are so many and so many different lessons I learned from those people. And maybe... Maybe if I can just um, give you a th a three, because I, I do. <laughs> each, um, each kind of shared and I learned different stories from them. Um, I think one of them is someone that I interviewed for my book recently, which was this amazing partnership, Azim Kamisa and Ples Felix. And uh, I would call this extreme compassionate empathy. And Azim's son, who was about 19 years old, was actually shot and killed by Ples's grandson, who was 14 years old at the time as part of a, a gang initiation. Um, and as, Aziz's son um, was just literally delivering a pizza at the time. And I think none of us would have thought badly of Azim if he had pulled back after losing his son. But instead, he actually invited Pless into his living room um, in his home in San Diego. And they talked through this pain and grief. Um, and, you know, Azim likes to say that it wasn't Tony, Pless's grandson's fault uh, that, that he shot his son. It was society's fault that we allowed that to happen. And Azim then ended up working with Plez to set up this extraordinary foundation in his son's Tarek's name that actually stops kids from killing kids and goes from school to school. And the beautiful thing is when they go on stage together, they have just come across such a radical divide that no child can't listen to them. And, you know, that extreme compassion empathy, as soon as um, Tony got out of prison just a few years ago, the first thing that Azim did is he hired him into the foundation. And to me, that's extreme compassionate empathy. And when you think about that, none of us can ever. And the lesson that I learned from that was about letting go of judgment. And, you know, Azim let go of all judgment to open his heart. And so did Plez. 
Um, so I think letting go of judgment is key to empathy. I think the other thing that I learned from just an amazing leader called Brian Stevenson, who started something called Equal Justice Initiative, working with young people in prison, particularly on death row. And one of the things he talks about so passionately is proximity and proximate experiences to really not just listen to someone else, but then experience as much as possible as you can individually. Um, and so he talks about going into prison, sitting with prisoners. And I think, you know, we can take that lesson into our companies about proximity. You know, something small that we used to do in Virgin Mobile Australia that I learned so much from was we used to open our homes. So the this key leadership team used to have to host these what we called V dinners. And we had had to cook dinner for our customers and our staff. So we'd bring 10 people in, customers and staff. We would cook dinner for them and then just sit around a table and listen and learn. And I can tell you, Jody, I learned more from those V dinners than I did from any formal focus groups or research because you were in the space of proximity and empathy with where they were coming from. Um, and probably the, the third lesson, which was a really personal one is, I had this amazing father and, uh, but he also was, you know, he, he grew up in a generation where if a woman cried at, in the workplace, that was the end of her career. Um, and so he used to always say to me, you can't cry, you know, you have to hold yourself together. And one time, literally in a board meeting, um, I burst into tears and I was devastated. I just thought that's the end of my career. This is horrible. And I remember the chair of the board who was at that meeting took me aside about a week later and he sat down with me and I kind of, I had my letter of resignation in my pocket. I was like, okay, this is it. I, I'm, I'm done at this company. And he sat in this space with me and he shared this story about when he had cried at a really important meeting. And it was that that lesson for me in that moment was, you know, we if, to really be empathetic with people as he was with me in that moment. You have to ha you have to be vulnerable yourself to give people permission to be vulnerable together. And he just showed that deep sense of vulnerability by sharing that super personal story with me. They are all incredible stories. And I think what's come through really strongly for me is that element of human leadership as well. And that, you know, we we are start, we lack that, you know, and we we did some research recently where we spoke to a lot of employees and what they're looking for from their leaders is that empathetic leadership, the human skills, ask me if I'm okay, like that personal connection. And the V dinner example is a great example where the lines of work and home are now blurred. And, we, you know, when you step into that environment, what can come out of a conversation that you never thought possible is can lead to so many different things. So um, thank you for sharing it. That was incredible. And I'm interested around, um, you know, what's your one piece of advice to listeners that perhaps are thinking they want to be more empathetic, they don't know where to start? Have you got any tips? Like what's what's your one piece of advice to be more empathetic? Yeah, and I think, Jody, just to follow on from your last comment, I think that's like super, and I don't know if you found this, but during COVID, like our team became much closer because we held that space of vulnerability and empathy. And like the work you're doing is so important because all of us in some way, point in time in our lives will be caregivers. And, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's with children, whether that's with elderly parents, whether that's with a mentally ill child or, you know, disabled child or sister or brother, and, you know, all of us come to work with that. And if we don't create the right spaces for people to be able to share that and be able to share what they need, 
um, we are limiting not just the potential of that individual, um, we're limiting the potential of our companies and the potential to build great joy and love in our companies um, and great happiness for people to come into work. So I think if I had to give one piece of advice around um, around how to become more empathetic, how to be is really think hard about the people you surround yourself with. Think hard about the deep connections that you build in your life. And in those deep connections, really hold that space of shared humility and understanding that we don't have all the answers and what I guess I would call informed confidence. And that opens that space for curiosity to hold a space of curiosity in others, which really helps stimulate empathy. If you're interested and you're asking questions of each other and really holding that space. But I think if it had to be just one word, I would say, listen, um, and, you know, go into meetings, go into discussions, go into having a review with someone first in that space of listening and really holding that space for someone to share how they're feeling, what they're thinking. And that allows you to, to then hold that space of empathy. Yeah, it, listening is such an important skill and so core to being empathetic. And that has come through very strongly. And again, some research we did where listening to employees, what they wanted from their leaders and managers was just to listen more. You know, I often say, listen to the unspoken voices in a meeting. You know, who's not talking? Listen to those. But it it, it is a very, it's a critical skill to be able to really listen and then respond in the moment. And I think, you know, you're spot on. We we are all caregivers in some shape or form. People want to bring their whole selves to work and they're looking for more now from their workplace. They don't want to be just treated as an employee. They want to be cared for. They want to feel safe. They want to feel trusted. You know, we talk about creating psychological safe workplaces. It's never been more important. But to do that, you need to show empathy and care and really, you know, treat your employees with respect and, and give them the space where they can feel, you know, that they can be their whole self. So I think um, listening is so, so important. I think we all need to do more of it. It's, it's a skill I think everyone can never stop learning. And I think what you're saying right now is so important, Jody, because if you look at the latest Gallup poll, it's super scary because only 21% of people are engaged in the workplace. That means 79% of people are disengaged. And what a missed opportunity, not just for the, the company, but that's what I think is also perpetuating the mental health crisis is because if people come to work every day and they don't have meaningful work to do, they don't have companies that are empathetic and that are really listening to them and understanding their personal situation, of course, they're going to disengage. And can you imagine if we flipped the world upside down and we had 80% of people engaged in meaningful work, what a different world we would live in. And I think you also just said something really important about thinking of the voices that aren't being heard at the table. And, you know, I, I had the beautiful opportunity to interview these two people. One is um, Cornel West, who's far left social Democrat, and Robert George, who's far right Christian thinker. Yet they're the best of friends. And one of the lessons I learned from talking to them is they were able to hold this space where they disagreed on so many things, but they were all able to hold a place of respect and disagree without being disagreeable. And, uh, and when I left that interview, they said something really profound that just stuck in my mind. They said, go, found, go find a friend that unsettles you. 
And so I think empathy is not just about being empathetic with people like ourselves, but it's being empathetic with people who are radically different from us, who unsettle us. And I think the more we can do that, the more, again, it allows us to hold that space of difference and realize that in that space of difference is where innovation comes from. It's where joy comes from. It's where it's where the electric current of being different comes from. Can you imagine if we taught that skill or that that moment to every leadership term, elite leadership team in the world? Like that, the power absolutely of being comfortable with being able to disagree, but come from a place of empathy, what that could lead to. And I think, you know, we could talk all day about the role we play and the, the passion we have in building more, you know, caring workplaces. The business benefits are so huge. People don't want you know, more health fruit boxes and more yoga apps. They actually want to work in a caring workplace where they genuinely feel cared and supported for. So I think, you know, that's why Kate and I are so passionate about empathetic leadership and the work we're doing. So it's, um, it's super exciting. And it's certainly something that gets me out of bed every day um, to drive more change. And I think, yeah, let's, Let's imagine a world where 80% are actually genuinely happy and want to go to work. Like what that could do for, for our world and the economy is so huge. Now we could chat all day, but we always end with asking, who do you follow on LinkedIn that you believe is a true leader, demonstrates empathy? Who are your tips that we could follow and, you know, learn from? Yeah, I think, um, again, I'm going to cheat and give two. One is a person and one's an organization. And the person is Adam Grant. And uh, I just adore him. I think he is someone who deeply listens, definitely like holds a space of respect for everyone and comes from um, the angle of always thinking about what if that other person is right? You know, what if, what if, uh, what if that other person is the one that has the idea that's going to be magic? He always comes from a place of not thinking that he has all the best ideas. He loves to hold that space of gener almost facilitating and lifting others up to have brilliant ideas. So I would say Adam Grant is a person. And then um, the Equal Justice Initiative that I mentioned from Brian Stevenson mm -hmm. uh, as an organization, um, because I feel like they are being empathetic with um, with people that that much of the rest of society has thrown out, people that are on death row, people that are in prison for life, and they just hold that place of respect and realize that people are not the not should not be judged by their worst moment in life, and they hold a space of not judging and being empathetic with people that are in prison on death row, and I just their stories, the people that they work with are some of the best of the best in the world, and I have learned from so much from them, and really have so many heroes of those people that they work with on death row and in prison right now that have taught me loads in life. Well, what an incredible note to end on. Um, Jean, you are an absolute inspiration and I learn from you every single day. I love following your journey. Uh, what you do for this world, for everyone around you is so inspiring and it's such a privilege to know you and to call you a friend. And thank you um, for all the support that you've shown to Kate and I, but on behalf of everyone else that you've touched and played a role, you know, thank you for the incredible work and thanks for being part of Empathy Talks. And just a huge thanks right back at you and Kate as well. And I think you two are an example of two people that came together. And as Jane Tucson loves to say, 
didn't accept the unacceptable and have created a company to help bring something that's beautiful to other organizations and really to put people at the center of all we do. So massive thanks to both of you. Oh, thank you. Will you take care and we'll talk again soon. And thanks for being part of it. Thanks, Jody. Take care.